Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make some sense of them. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Now, before we get stuck into today's very timely topic, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 5 million customers in 40 countries. And it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter, Medium or Voice.com that I've been recommending Luno for some time. And I love recommending Luno, especially for people who might be new to the world of cryptocurrency, because it's very pretty, it's very intuitive, and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin and other cryptos such as Ethereum or Litecoin. So simply go to luno.com for the details or download the app. That's Luno, L-U-N-O, on your Android or Apple device. In fact, if you do that and you're over 18 and based in the UK or Europe, I'm going to give you £10 worth of Bitcoin, courtesy of Luno, absolutely free to get you started on the app. And the way I'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast, which will credit your account instantly when you enter it. I should point out this is a gift. The app is free. There's no monthly charges. There's no obligation to buy anything else. This is part of a campaign by Luno to introduce new people to Bitcoin. And the idea is to get around that initial hurdle we all have about using Bitcoin for the first time. You know, when you're paranoid about doing something wrong and losing your money. So Luno gives you this bit of Bitcoin so you can experiment with confidence before you commit your own funds if you choose to do so. So you can keep it, sell it, move it to the savings account, get interest, give it to charity, whatever you want it's yours and in actual fact it's extra appropriate for today's podcast as we're going to be answering an important question so welcome to this episode of bitcoin and global finance called bitcoin buy sell or hodl now i should probably start by clarifying exactly what hodling is incredibly that word is now part of investment speak and even has its own entry investopedia so what exactly is it well i'm going to quote their definition for you it reads as follows hodl that's h-o-d-l is a term derived from a misspelling of hold that refers to buy and hold strategies in the context of bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that's all very interesting, but how did this come about? Well, it originated in 2013 with a post to the Bitcoin Talk Forum at a time when the Bitcoin price was falling. And remember, we're only talking a few hundred bucks here because this was back in 2013. Now, on December the 18th of that year, a poster by the name of Game Kayubi, at least I think that's how you pronounce it, posted the words in capital letters, I am hodling in a drunk, semi-coherent, typo-laden rant about his poor trading skills and his simple determination to hold his Bitcoin from that point on. I've actually read the thread and it really is quite funny. And the bottom line is that he concluded that the best course was to hold. He then confessed he'd had quite a lot of whiskey and briefly mused about the spelling of whiskey to add to the amusement. But for some reason, it just caught on. Within an hour, HODL had made its way into memes. The movies 300 and Braveheart provided the initial source material, but there are now countless HODL memes floating around the internet to this day. A popular one, of course, being Hodor from the Game of Thrones. So, now we've cleared that up, let's get stuck into the actual topic in hand. Now, I've been writing and talking about Bitcoin for 
quite some years now and I can always tell what stage of a market cycle we're in by the questions I'm asked and how frequently I'm asked them. So most of the time, for example, if I'm out with a group of friends or colleagues, uh, and obviously I'm referring to the days when you could actually do this, uh, Bitcoin will not be mentioned for fear that I should go off on one for a solid 10 minutes or so. Now, this did used to happen quite a lot back in the day. And even all these years later, I have got much better, but it does still happen occasionally. So most of the people who know me might, might just you know, politely ask me a quick question about it and hope and we can sort of, there's an understanding that I'll give them a quick answer. But when something is going on, that situation could not be more different, literally from the minute I arrive. So if the price is rising, I am inundated with questions about whether to buy and how much. And conversely, if the price is falling, I am grilled about selling and when to get out. Now, of course, if you are an experienced trader or investor, you will probably notice that these two questions are entirely and exactly the wrong way around. You should be buying when it feels exactly like you shouldn't be buying, especially if confidence is low and the press is negative. I mean, you should be buying when it's almost you're having to force your body to press the buy button because your brain is telling you don't do it. It's too risky. That is generally speaking the best time to buy. And of course, conversely, you sell really according to your own plan in the ideal world, not necessarily when the price dictates. The idea is that you should be in control. Now, the reality is that this is very hard for us humans to do. And this is exactly why the markets, which are literally a collective summary of individual decisions, move as they do. It's also why simply understanding this gives you such a head start in the first place. But even though that's the case, we've just been through the holiday season, um, a little bit different this year, obviously, with the COVID restrictions. But even so, I have been contacted quite a lot and been asked the buy question by those who do not already hold Bitcoin and the sell question by those who do. In fact, I've just sort of had a casual straw poll um, talking to some of my Bitcoin colleagues, and we've also found similar patterns elsewhere. So everyone is either asking now about buying or selling. And that's probably due to the fact that Bitcoin has recently hit an all-time high. And at the time I'm recording this, it has hit a high. It's come down from there a little bit since of $41,000. And that's a big, big change, obviously, over the last few weeks. So Bitcoin's in the news all the time and the price is still changing quite quickly. Uh, we do know that institutions are greedily hoovering up every spare coin they can lay their hands on. But retail activity has been fairly lackluster so far. And really, I would say it's only in the last sort of week or so that we've seen some activity there. And actually, we've seen some on-chain activity grow as well. So it seems those who are thinking about dipping their toe into Bitcoin are looking at people like myself to make the decision for them. And that is a terrifying responsibility. And I just can't take that on directly. Um, you know, I have enough trouble being responsible for my own financial decisions, let alone anyone else's. I am always, though, happy to discuss options and help anyone who wants to hear them work out what's best for them. And really, that's what this podcast is about. So if you don't hold Bitcoin and wonder if you should, or if you hold Bitcoin and are wondering if you should sell now the price is at an all-time high, then here's a few things to think about. So let's start with if you're not holding Bitcoin, but thinking of buying. So the question is, should you do that? 
And it is quite a question, isn't it? Because you've probably watched the price head forever upwards over the last couple of years and certainly the last couple of months and find yourself in that kind of classic holding onto a rope attached to a rising balloon conundrum. So at what point do you take that plunge? Um, do you even try? Is it simply too late for you and the Bitcoin train has already left the station? Well, look, let's, let's just get a few things right, first of all. So looking back and thinking, if only, will not help you. And I can give you a little bit of reassurance on this as well, because everyone who holds Bitcoin wishes they bought more and bought earlier, and that includes myself. But in reality, the whole thing is just an illusion designed to chip away at your confidence. Is your brain really just trying to tell you, oh, forget it, it's too hard, it's too late, and I've got it all wrong again, and I'm useless. You know, you can't listen to any of that stuff. Here's my own example, right? So by the time I'd properly got skin in the game, Bitcoin was already getting close to $1,000. Now that still sounds like a bargain, but the reality was I'd actually stumbled across it in late 2013 and early 2014, pretty early on. And I actually had the chance to buy it at just under $100, but I actually decided against it. I wasn't ready. I didn't really understand it. It seemed a bit sort of iffy it was hard to buy i didn't like the idea of sending money to people i didn't know to maybe get some of this weird internet money so i i bottled it and of course that was a very very uh, expensive mistake to make so it would be another three or four years from that point before i really understood it enough to take the plunge so it's not you we've all been there we've all done it i think that's part of the process that you go through with bitcoin and understanding it properly is probably the main barrier that everyone experiences. So don't beat yourself up about it. Now, in my case, of course, I ended up paying what was considered at the time a top dollar. But you would now think of that as a very cheap price. So if I, for example, offered to sell you a whole Bitcoin at $1,000 today, you'd probably take it. Of course you would, because it's all relative. So let's try and apply that to today's situation. If you knew categorically that bitcoin would trade at say a hundred thousand dollars in the next 12 months would you buy it now at thirty four thirty five thousand dollars whatever the price is as i record this with that sort of guarantee you probably would but of course i can't provide you with one so like me and everyone else you'll have to take the chance and decide on the odds of that happening through your own research and you really should do that research but the key point is that it's not too late. The numbers now are simply different to what they were a few years ago. And as some of my colleagues put it, Bitcoin has no top because fiat, that's the cash we use on a day-to-day -day basis, has no bottom. So any cursory understanding of what is currently happening with our financial system reveals that to be truer than any of us would really like to acknowledge. And I'm really not going to get into that too much. I, I talk about that and write about that quite a lot. So if you want to find out what's going on, um, you know, prepare to be terrified is probably uh, a, a good um, warning I should put with that. But, you know, there's a lot of information out there, including the stuff I write. So by all means, check it out. Let's also not forget that the fiat system that we use, again, the cash that we use, is now only 49 years old, right? So that means it's still an experiment in itself. It's actually younger than me, which is another slightly terrifying thought. But all of this, of course, is about context and removing some of those barriers to the thinking, your decision to buy Bitcoin. And that ultimate decision, of course, must be yours. 
Now, I can't be sort of influencing your decision, really, so I can't give a specific answer, but I can tell you what I'm doing in my own case. Um, I'm someone who acquires more Bitcoin every single day, and I never convert it back into fiat cash. So it's pretty clear what decision I've made, and it aligns nicely with my financial setup, my belief in Bitcoin itself, my personal objectives, and my plans for the future. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that decision is right for you. So let's try and look at it from a different perspective and ask a few questions that might be worth thinking about. So, for example, if you've got cash savings in the bank that are losing value due to inflation and lack of interest rates, then it might be worth doing a little bit more research on what's likely to happen in the future as this situation develops. Put it this way, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And once you've done that, then you can assess your appetite to risk. Now, risk is not straightforward either, of course, because it's also very subjective. So let's look at an example. If you're in an economy whose currency has been devalued by central government, you might be actively looking for a way to protect your wealth. And so you might consider Bitcoin actually a much lower risk than holding cash. So they know in that situation that the cash they have will definitely devalue to nothing in a short period of time, whereas Bitcoin almost certainly won't. Even if it stays the same value, they'll still be far better off. Now, that's a pretty easy call to make probably in those situations, but you might not be aware of just how much of the planet is in that position. And this is something I've covered before in, in, in various different articles. And it is really tempting to think, okay, well, that's Brazil, that's Argentina, that's Venezuela, that's Turkey. You know, they're all miles away from me and I don't have to worry about any of that. But here's the terrifying thought. All fiat currencies are devaluing right now. Now, they always have been, of course, we all know that, but it's happening now faster than any point in history as governments print money to try and pay for the effects of the pandemic. It doesn't matter which currency you're using, it will be worth much less next year than it is today. So you have to protect your wealth. Now, this statistic has been floating around recently, and I've checked it out, it is correct. 35% of all the dollars printed in America were printed in 2020. In fact, more new money was produced in just June 2020 last year in America than had been created in the first 200 years of the Union's existence. And that really is an astonishing thought. And of course, that leads us back to this whole thing about protecting your wealth. And there are different ways to do it as well. So you can hold gold, but some people consider that a risk because governments around the world have suddenly taken it in times of financial turmoil in history in the past. We are in a financial turmoil. We are in economic difficulty right now. Could it happen again? Well, it's possible, but there's no guarantee that it will. Of course, it might be a nothing risk. It might be a real risk. But at the end of the day, it's something you have to factor into your decision making. So what is it you could afford to lose if it went wrong? What is it you want to do with this Bitcoin thing? Is it to get out of the fiat system completely? Or is it just to make a few bucks with a quick buy and sell? Or is it somewhere in between? Uh, do you just want to be part of whatever this thing turns out to be? And all of those questions are really designed to make you think about what your objectives are. And that is the key question. You need to know what your objective is.
And once you have that, really you've got everything you need. Now, none of us can know the future. This is all about assessing likely outcomes and trying to match it with your own beliefs. Now, literally, no one can make that decision for you, least of all me. But I will make one more point on this. Bitcoin used to be very difficult to buy, hold and sell back in the day. And no one was sure if it was even legal. But things have moved on massively since then and they continue to improve daily. So in most countries, Bitcoin is now legal. It has a clear tax framework and it's pretty easy to buy and sell. In fact, it's as easy as anything else on the Internet. Now, so those physical barriers of it being too hard to do are long gone. And all that remains are the psychological barriers linked to your own objectives and risks. Therefore, you can feel free to explore exactly what it is you want to do rather than worrying about how to do it. Because trust me, you can do it. It's pretty straightforward. And sometimes for some of us, and that's been the case for me as well, that's just as important to understand as anything else. So let's look at the second part of this. This is if you're holding Bitcoin, but thinking of selling, should you? So when Bitcoin hit its all time high a few days ago, which was $41,000 and a bit of change, it meant that everyone who had ever bought Bitcoin at any point in history was showing a profit, at least in fiat cash terms. And it didn't matter what price you paid for it, you still had a profit, as you always do whenever anything reaches a, an all-time high. So congratulations on doing that, if that applied to you. But the trouble is, the decision-making doesn't end there, does it? So, should you lock it in and realize the cash gain, even though this removes you from however this thing plays out going forward? Or should you hold it and hope you got the decision right for the long term? Perhaps you should even add to it as you've done so well. What is the right call? Again, this comes down to what your objectives are. If it's to make a few quid, then there's no shame in taking that profit and enjoying it since Bitcoin's price can fluctuate quite significantly at times. It might even be possible to make another trade at a lower price later on. So in other words, you could sell it, take the fiat cash, wait for dip, which may or may not happen, and then buy back in the same amount at a a lower cost and and keep the difference or, or, or buy more. But of course, it might not dip. I don't know. You don't know. But it could certainly happen. However, if you need the cash for any reason, for example, if you're under some kind of financial pressure, then by all means, take it out and use the cash to make that pressure go away. You can find a way to get back there later on if you decide that you want to do that. But let's say you don't need the cash and you happen to think Bitcoin seems to be a pretty cool thing that might go even higher. Um, In that case, you've probably already made up your mind to hold, but you might also be thinking about adding to your stash. If you're already in the game and hold some Bitcoin, you already have an advantage over and above the fact that you've already got a lower entry point than your new possible exit point, probably. In my view, therefore, it's essential you maximize your position, whatever it is that you're trying to do with this thing. So most people, for example, don't realize that you can get interest on your Bitcoin holdings paid in more Bitcoin. Most wallets and exchanges now offer this a standard, at least to some degree. And I usually recommend checking out um, blockchain.com 
and of course Luno. Now the interest rates on these are 4.4% and 4% respectively. Both are calculated daily and compounded monthly. The latter though, that's Luno, has the advantage of being extremely user friendly and ideal for beginners, which is why I always go around promoting them. But there are other options as well. There are sort of new generation decentralized banking systems evolving, which kind of go beyond what a wallet can do. Two examples of those would be Nexo and Celsius, and they do offer much higher interest rates, sometimes running as high as 12% compounded daily. Not only that, it's possible to borrow against your crypto assets at any time, as long as you have enough value to cover what you'd like to borrow. So make no mistake, a whole new world is here in terms of finance and banking, and it's developing very, very quickly. We might still need banks for various payment mechanisms, at least for the time being, but not so much anymore for saving and borrowing. And it's quite the change in mindset. And that list, by the way, is not designed to be exclusive. It's just a couple of examples. And there are many, many more options out there. But any of these are ideal if you're looking to maximize your existing Bitcoin position without committing any more fiat cash at the time being. But if you are looking to commit more funds, wallets like Luno also allow you to do something called dollar cost averaging, or you might see it around as DCA. And you can do that really with any asset, but DCA has actually worked out pretty well for Bitcoin, at least so far anyway, because remember, we're going by historical data here, and that is no guarantee of the future. So we have to bear in mind that important point. Basically, the way that works is that you set a fixed amount for each period that you select. So it could be daily, weekly, monthly, and that's swapped out automatically to Bitcoin in a way that you don't have to worry about it. And over time, that gives you a great average entry level and smooths out some of the peaks and troughs that you see on these crazy graphs. Of course, I do realize this doesn't still answer the question of whether you should be doing it. And while you're listening to this, looking for that single instruction, I have to tell you now, you're not going to find it here because that part of the decision firmly lies with you. At the end of the day, it's all down to you. And to quote that old expression, you pays your money and you takes your choice. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on Medium on the new address they've given me, which is jasonadean.medium.com. Don't forget the E at the end of Dean when you're typing that in or you won't find me. Now, I promised you £10 worth of Bitcoin at the start of this podcast, and here are the details you need. All you need to do is open the Luno app and type in the code I'm about to give you. Now, I should say, if you haven't verified your Luno account yet, you should do that first. It only takes a minute, and of course, you only have to do it once. You do that by going to Profile, Settings, Verification, and it's the usual mugshot and ID that you use on all banking apps these days, and it's usually processed within a couple of minutes. Now, once you've done that, you just go to a section called Rewards, which you probably notice at the bottom of the screen, press the Enter a Code button, and type in the following, PDUK12X. That's Papa, Delta, Uniform, Kilo, one, two, x-ray, and well, that's it. Your £10 in Bitcoin will be credited instantly.
If you're in Europe, of course, it'll be the equivalent of 10 pounds. So that's about 11 euros at the moment, I think. Now you can just use that to play with the app and explore it. But of course you can buy more Bitcoin easily once you're set up and go from there if you want to. And don't forget, you can now earn 4% interest on your crypto, as we mentioned actually in this podcast, by moving it to the saving wallet built into the app. And of course, that's about 4% more than you'll get in the bank right now. T's and C's apply, of course, when saving, and you can check those out when you first transfer over. So I'll leave that with you to enjoy and explore, and I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast.